Episode 99. Lessons from St. Thomas Aquinas. Well, yesterday was the feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, January 28th, so I thought it would be helpful to give some insight as to why the Church values St. Thomas so highly and why he, more than any other saint or theologian, really exemplifies the approach to understanding the truths of the faith. Many popes have reiterated the fact that St. Thomas's doctrine is the safe guide for Christians trying to understand the truths of the faith. One example, Pope Pius XI says, quote, The Church has adopted his doctrine for her own. To those who are in quest of truth, we now say, go to Thomas, end quote. This has been reiterated many times by the Church that St. Thomas is the safe guiding light in the quest for truth. It's also helpful to glean from St. Thomas some lessons for our own, how we ought to approach our faith, some practical principles that we see in St. Thomas. For example, the first one would be approaching our study of truth, our search for truth, not just supernatural truths, but even natural truths, in a unified, systematic way. We know that nowadays our, our knowledge is so fragmented, it's scattered all over the place, there's not really a unifying principle that's given to us, or any set of principles given to us in school, not in elementary school, high school, and college. College most especially, I think. You see that you just have distinct areas of knowledge, very specialized areas of knowledge, and they don't make any effort to integrate other areas of learning and to unify them under some principle or set of principles so that it gives some order to learning. We have a lot of individual facts that we can access in our education, but we don't really often have an attempt to unify it or systematize our learning, to put it in some kind of hierarchy, some kind of order, so that we can make more sense of it and then we can apply it more readily. You know, in college, you go and you pick a number of different courses that have little or nothing to do with each other. You know, you can take a, a modern philosophy course, a business course, a gender studies course, and no one proposes that it would be valuable to really have a more systematized way of learning, to learn foundational things first, and then to learn the things that flow from those foundational principles, so on and so on and so on, down to the more specific things. Very few universities, very few schools even make an effort to do that, or even see the value in doing that. And in the realm of faith, that's very dangerous. We all are familiar with the term cafeteria Catholics, you know, people that pick and choose certain things to follow while discarding other truths, as if they are all just distinct individual atoms that have no connection with each other. Well, that's not the case. I heard someone say that cafeteria Catholic's not as good a, a term or an image as like a, a woven blanket. You pull on one yarn and the whole thing unravels. That's what Catholic doctrine is like. So if we're taught in a more systematic way, we are less likely to discard essential truths because we see their connection with all of the other truths. We see, for example, how our understanding of Christ has a bearing on our understanding of the church and on the sacraments. We went over that in other episodes. We see how certain moral principles can't be discarded without endangering other moral principles. We need a, a unified, systematic understanding of the faith and, of course, of human learning, all human learning. That was the case up until recent history, up until the modern era, that we saw there was unity in things. That not only is all truth from God, both natural and supernatural truths, but also that they are in harmony in many ways that the human mind can pick up on. And the work of St. Thomas Aquinas is a perfect example of this unified and systematic approach to understanding truth. You know, much like the beginning of this podcast, it was modeled on that, that approach, that 
there are certain principles that we need to understand and then from those principles other things follow. We go first understanding of the existence of God and based on those arguments other things follow from that. That's how St. Thomas's most important work is Summa Theologiae. That's how it progresses. It starts with basic fundamental things that we can understand by the light of reason. It then pursues that to see what other things follow from those first conclusions and principles and it produces this amazing framework of truth that with each successive article you can be sure of the truth because you arrived at it based on prior questions, prior articles. Unlike nowadays in school, you're just presented with a certain fact or a certain truth and you're just expected to memorize and then repeat it. You don't have a foundation which gives you certainty about that truth that you're taught. You're just taught it without any kind of build up to it without any kind of framework to give you an understanding of, oh, this is true because it's based on these principles. And these principles were actually conclusions of prior principles. And those prior principles are immediately obvious. And so we know that this truth is built on a solid foundation. That's how education should work. That's how our search for truth should work. That we build solid foundations with first principles and then we go from there. St. Thomas is the perfect example of that. If you want to understand how that looks, just read his Summa Theologiae or even just look at the structure of it to see how the mind ought to approach truth. So that's the first thing, that our, our knowledge should be unified. St. Thomas is a perfect example of that. The second one is accepting truth no matter where you find it. St. Thomas in his Summa Theologiae uh, quotes not just, you know, scripture and fathers of the church, but even pagan philosophers and Muslim philosophers, because he recognizes, well, all truth is from God. If someone says something true, then I don't really care who they are. I don't really care what errors they made in other areas of, of learning. They are saying something true, and they said it in a helpful, clear way. They ought to be used as a resource in search for truth. Today, we're so politicized and tribalized and labeled that we don't necessarily look at the truth of someone's argument anymore. We just look at they're a different kind of person than I am, or they're from a different political party or a different religion, instead of saying, oh, that seems true. Even though you might be able to pick out certain errors and other things they say, or that they may, might not have said it as clearly as possible, you can say, that's true. And the virtue of appreciating truth wherever you find it is a really important one. You know, it recognizes that God is the author of all truth and that God's truth is offered to everyone and that you can look at some truth that someone may have grasped onto and even lead them from that truth to a fuller truth or a fuller understanding of the truth. That's why we should always value and cherish truth no matter where you find it. The third principle that St. Thomas gives us is, is kind of related to the first one I mentioned, but it's the harmony of faith and reason. And we did a, a couple episodes that deal with this topic that since God is the author of all truth, truths of faith and the truths of nature, the natural world, can never be in conflict. It's a very simple principle. And it gives us uh, courage and boldness in pursuing every form of human learning. That a, a Christian who properly understands this would never be afraid of scientific developments or pursuing the sciences. That's why the church historically has been one of the greatest patrons of, for a, for a while was the greatest patron of the sciences because she, of course, understands this, that God is the author of all truth, natural and supernatural truths, and so we should boldly seek to understand all of those truths, not just because we want to know things, but because in knowing those things, we come to knowledge of the Creator. It prevents us from being fideists, that is, just relying on faith and, and frowning upon reason, and it prevents us from rationalism, that is, just embracing reason and frowning on faith. 
Faith and reason purify and perfect each other. Faith without reason becomes fanaticism. Reason without faith leads one into serious errors. We see that in our day and age, that we have certain technological advancements. We say we can do this, but we don't ask ourselves, ought we to do this? Is this in accord with human dignity if I pursue this particular technology, etc.? So we can see that faith and reason need each other, and this is very evident in St. Thomas because he applies rigorous logic and reasoning to the principles of faith. And related to this is the fourth principle is that we should be thorough in trying to understand God in, in every single detail that we should have as full a knowledge of God as possible. Of course, he transcends our comprehension. God is infinite. We are finite. He's the creator. We are creatures. We cannot ever comprehend all of God. But we can always go deeper into who God is, what he is like, etc. So, you know, scholastics, those followers of St. Thomas, were often criticized and made to seem silly because they asked very specific questions about divine things. People say, well, why do you really need to know if Christ had two wills or just one? Or why do you need to know if angels are in a place? Things like that. Well, it's because if we really love God, then we want to know as much as we can about the things he revealed to us. He gave us minds for a reason, and he revealed things for a reason. It would be silly if we had reason given to us by God and had certain truths revealed to us by God and we didn't apply our reason to those truths. That's what St. Thomas does. And it's driven by his love for God, not just a desire to know things in an academic sense, but because if you love someone, you want to know everything you can about them. The last principle I'll mention is that our study, our search for truth should always be accompanied by piety and devotion. And St. Thomas was a great lover of the liturgy, of the Mass. It was said that, you know, after he offered his Mass, he would then assist at another priest's Mass and meditate on the Eucharist at that Mass as well. He also was the author of the liturgy of Corpus Christi. He wrote such beautiful hymns, such as the one you hear in the background of this episode. He had a great devotion to Mass. He was not merely an academic and intellectual, but his intellectual life was integrated with his liturgical devotional life. And that's a lesson for all of us that if we are merely theologians or merely scientists without a spiritual life, then our academic work fails as well. This is kind of another example of the faith and reason thing. St. Thomas didn't say, well, obviously my intellect is incredible. Everyone recognizes I'm such an intellectual powerhouse. So I don't really need that silly little liturgy thing that you do. No. If he had to choose between his academic work and his spiritual life, obviously he would choose his spiritual life. He even recognized that towards the end of his life. He said, in comparison to the things that God has revealed to me in prayer, everything I've written is as straw. It's like not even close to capturing who God is in his essence. So St. Thomas is a, a wonderful model of the intellectual life integrated also with the spiritual life, a lesson for all of us.